Flipping it up and out. Bogut! Ariza blocked by Bogut! Good recovery by Andrew Bogut. Let's get Rogue. Welcome to Rogue Bogues, the basketball series. Thanks again for joining us, myself and Mike Procopio. How was training, pro? Oh, Bogues, training's great, man. Fucking no agents to deal with, no bullshit, you know, just fucking, just kids who can, you know, can't really play that much, but uh, there's no back talk, which is, which is, uh, I'm not really used to that. I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm ready. Anything that's like said to me, I'm, I'm ready to snap back because I'm just expecting it. Actually, nice kids. I haven't had that in about 20 years. So uh, let's keep going with it. Mm, yeah, good. The young kids usually just are happy to do whatever you say. Now, before we get started, the, the most important news, Pro, I got to ask you, you're a fellow American, I hope. Um, uh, yeah. Who won the trade, Pro? Russia or the US? Oh, geez. Fuck. <laughs> Bogues. We're going to get into this uh, right now. Know, we'll talk about it right now. Uh, well, we can just have a little bit of a laugh. Yeah. Not a laugh. It's a serious matter. But uh, but someone said that Rob Palinka did the negotiations for the US. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I'll tell you what. The internet is fucking undefeated. The internet is fucking Look, undefeated. I mean. I don't know what, what happened with that. But, I mean, giving up a basic terrorist is is, is, is interesting when when they've got – Apparently, there's a Marine still stuck in Russia. Um, don't get too political with it, but it was no. I'll, I'll get it. was it. an interesting trade. Hey, fuck that, folks. You know what? <laughs> When's the last time I talked about politics? I'm not even talking about politics, <laughs> but like, have you read up on both of these guys? Like the Merchant of Death and this other guy, uh, Waylon, that's over there. Did, have you have you read into either one? No, or not both? the American. I've I've read up about the Merchant of Death and how he was supplying arms and all that kind of stuff. I don't know much about the American. So though. the American, like from what I've from from what I read up on him and and watched on youtube so the american like was a navy he was in the navy and i think he's retired um but anyway he, he started getting some friends in russia um on the internet like social media whatever just sort of like met some people visited them you know once or twice and, and got to know him so he he then goes to a wedding, from what I understand. He stays in this hotel. I want to say it's the Interpol Hotel, if I'm not mistaken, in Russia. And all of a sudden, the friend ends up being an operative from the from the Russian government. So it's not really his friend. It was just posing to be his friend. And I guess he he visited them like once or twice already. So they they hand him a flash drive. I guess he puts it on him. How how he put it on him, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, like somebody from the Russian government, KGB, whatever, comes over and says, "Look, you've got government secrets. We're gonna put you on. You know, we're gonna put you in custody." So they've had him for four years under that for the espionage charge. So they've had him for mm-hmm. four years. Supposedly he didn't do anything. Now I don't know. Like again, I don't know. But supposedly he doesn't do anything. He's over there for four years. And you would think that one of the most dangerous, you know, non-ISIS terrorists in, you know, like you would think that would have a lot of value to get assets back, you know, and you would think that Waylon would be one of those, but I guess, I guess not. Well, at least some, at least some future first round picks Russia should have thrown in, you Jesus know, some Christ, folks. It's 2027 folks. first round pick, but it's, you know, what's crazy though? Like what I was thinking about this and um, for those not familiar, this is somewhat basketball, Brittany Griner, WNBA superstar, 
uh, that got arrested in Russia for having weed in a vape pen, which was is illegal in Russia, whether you want it like it or not, it is illegal over there. It became a political pawn in this whole battle, and um, Russia's given up basically a, a terrorist called the Merchant of Death. That's his name for Britain Griner in that trade. What's crazy is, pro, what's to stop countries just ping, just just pinging some sort of citizen, <laughs> and then be like, "Hey, give us this guy back. We'll give you a citizen back." You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if it's yeah. someone someone with a name, like you know. Um, Making this up, LeBron James goes to visit, you know, Russia one day for some reason, or and then he he gets taken. And they're like, oh, give us back our, our three three people that you've arrested for terrorism. Like, you know what I mean? What's to stop that yeah. happening? It's pretty kind of scary when you think about it. Um, I mean, Griner got caught in the middle of it. She did do something illegal. I think we all agree that you know, three, four, five, six, ten years in jail is not the not the right outcome for that. Mm-hmm. But in their country, they have strict rules against those things. And then obviously, it became a political pawn, but. Yeah, the the trade was definitely definitely interesting. We'll see if uh, Brittany gets back on the court. But I wanted to open with a bit of a, a dark humor <laughs> the to only, start the uh, the podcast. But folks, but, the only uh, the only thing I get out the only thing that that's fucked up out of this is a she did the wrong thing. So we're 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 getting behind someone who did the wrong thing. Look, I'm glad she, she's home. No doubt about it. She's a daughter. She's a wife. Whatever. Like all the you know she's she's belong. You know she's. Like, she means something to a bunch of people. Obviously, it's a, she's a human wife. You want her back. It's fucked up. She did fuck up. But, like, we're getting behind someone who did something wrong. Now, the outcome, obviously, nine years for that is is is, is rough. But, you know, that that's obviously wrong in our – but it's not our country. The biggest thing, Bogues, is she does something wrong and – She's gonna make out like a bandit with this book deal, mm. like she. Oh, hundred percent. It's like a seven, Oprah. yeah, seven yeah. figure deal out of this for doing the wrong thing. I, I don't care what people think. Is it right? Is it wrong? That's their rule. Whatever. Like, and now we're awarding doing the wrong thing, and not to get political, but let's get political. There's about fucking thousands of people in jail in the United States that. Uh, for marijuana that's been locked up for years and not one fucking person is like we need no we need Brittany why because of basketball i don't give a fuck if this is lebron james kobe bryant michael jordan over there like it that doesn't that that's not the case the case is like we have that going on over here and because of like your stature we want to get behind you you know that's where i that's where I'm like, fuck, like that. This is like again. I'm glad she's back and all that, but like that's where I, you know, she's gonna get rewarded for breaking the, you know, breaking the law, regardless if yeah, you Australia has that problem too. That's worldwide. We yeah. we have had people that were famously the last couple of decades got caught for you know supposedly dealing drugs in Bali or overseas. They get arrested. I mean, it's it's death penalty in Bali, bro, and. Yeah. Um, one, 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 a few girls have, have, have gotten out of it. Um, one girl there, one in Colombia, I believe. And they come back to Australia and they're celebrities. They're doing talk show circuits. They're getting paid for appearances. That's kind of disgusting. That, that's, that's the, the down dark side of the media. So, mm-hmm. um, but anyway, Rob Palinka, great job there. <laughs> All right, let's go on to our uh, team of the weeks. Um, we'll get to this one real quick. I got New Orleans Pro. Uh, they are balling, man. They are on a seven game win streak. Um, they've, they've flattened Phoenix twice in the space of a week. Uh, I'll get into that series a little bit later. Um, and they're just they're, – they're playing really, really well. They're, they're missing Brandon Ingram right now, who's probably 
their one two option. He's their one option at times, and two when Zion's in the lineup, can move to the one when needed. CJ McCollum's in there as well, but Ingram's a big part of their team. He's he's been out. Herb, Herb Jones is it? He's been out. So they've, they've had their injuries and they're just chugging along nicely. They're a very deep team. They're multi, they have multi lineups, multifaceted lineups. They can do different things. They're long, they're athletic, they've got shooters, they've got guys that can get to the rim and dunk on you. They've got a bruising center in Valentunas. They've got a lot of lineups they can get to. And they've just grinded Phoenix down to a pulp um, these last two games. And, you know, they're physical, long style of basketball. So. Um, I've really enjoyed their growth. I think, you know, I, I tweeted this a couple of days ago. This Phoenix uh, New Orleans series is reminding me a lot of when I was at the Warriors um, and the, the Clippers had the Lob City era where the, the Clippers uh, owned, owned the Warriors for a year or two when I got there or for at least a year. And then it started to turn, it started to even out and then all of a sudden the rest was history. This is a very similar rivalry um, that's brewing because they're both young, well, kind of young teams. Phoenix is young, a mix of youth with veterans to get to a championship. New Orleans hasn't had a whole lot of success, um, but they're young, kind of young and dumb in a way, but they've got a lot of horses. They've got a lot of guys that can play, and they, they beat them in the, in the playoffs last season. So that rivalry is brewing. I really, really enjoyed enjoying that rivalry. Um, Phoenix is petty. Chris Paul doing all his nonsense. I think he elbowed Alvarado in the face today off the ball. He kicked his leg out on a three-point attempt late. Got called. For, the defender got called for a foul. They went to a review and got overturned, and Chris Paul, Chris Paul got called for the foul. So I enjoyed seeing that. But New Orleans Pro, they're, uh, they're first in the West right now as we speak. So they're, they're, they're playing really well, and they're not fully healthy. So I like what, what Willie Green's doing down there. Um, I think they've got a chance to – I think they're still maybe a year away um, just experience-wise, but they've got every chance to get to the second – maybe even a conference – maybe scratch a conference finals this season because I think the West is wide open. I, don't, I really don't think there's an outlier. I think Golden State's going to sneak up again. Uh, they're playing better basketball, and they're going to start turning it on after the new year especially – but I don't think there's a someone you pencil in in the West um, compared to the East Pro. So I don't know what you think about New Orleans and and how they're playing. No, I'm a fan. I'm a fan because of the fact that like, you know, I, I'm not a fan of trying to get Zion 35 a night. I don't think he's built like that. I don't think he can win consistently when you just throwing it to him, throwing it to him, throwing it to him. Now he's still up there in usage. I think he's like top. I want to say he's top five, top six in the league. Last time I checked, I think he had a usage rate of like 28.4, which is pretty high. But like, you know, with McCollum and when Ingram comes back and then Valanciunas doing his thing, like you don't really have to, unlike most teams, to just give it to their best player and just get out of the way. They could just sort of put you in different situations. Like McCollum handoffs, Ingram post-ups in isolation and, you know, and just putting them in different spots on the floor. Zion, you know, rolling them, posting them. So he can give you a lot of different looks, and they'll spread you out. They've got shooting. They've got youth. They've got toughness and Valanciunas. Um, their bench is pretty good. Larry Nance Jr. sort of rekindled his career. You know, he's given them like nine and five off the bench. I mean, he's been good. Um, I just really enjoy watching them, and I, and I think Daniel's – you know, Daniels is giving him about 19 a night, min- minutes-wise, and and I think he's going to get better. And and they just sort of throw different guys at you. You know, Najee Marshall is even giving him some, you know, some added help. So I like them, Bogues. I think it's a good pick of the week. I think they're playing hard. Um, they're talented. Um, I don't think they gave them much of a chance, you know, last year. And, you know, now Zion's healthy and, you know, healthy-ish and, you know, just coming back and, and trying to – 
do what he's doing. I think he's played in about 80% of his games this year, which is a milestone for him because he's obviously had those injury issues in the past. No, good team, man. They're, they're a fun team to watch. I agree with you with the West. I don't see that, like, I mean, I, how everyone's playing right now, I don't see any clear cuts. Like, you know, Memphis is tough, but they, they're they dealing with their injury stuff. Um, obviously, we talk New Orleans. Denver's sort of up and down. Phoenix is dealing with their deal. Um, you know, Dallas is trying to get their footing. You know, Clippers can't get healthy. So it's a... Um, it's a toss-up. I think that you know the West is definitely open, and I think that there's there's definitely opportunity for these guys. And and guess where New Orleans? If you follow this podcast for a couple of years now, guess where New Orleans is playing Zion now, pro. Five five shocker um, for stretches. And we we were both on that bandwagon two years ago when when they wouldn't play him at the five. They've now finally unlocked him at the five. It creates, creates, like you said, and they can do that probably now a bit more comfortably with the length they have on the wings in Herb Jones and Brandon Ingram and Alvarado picking up full court. But one thing I noticed, just some extra notes for some people out there, that you know Zion's not a great perimeter shooter. Um, mm. He's shooting you know in the mid twenties from three. You knock him down and get him. He's a streaky three point shooter. I feel mm. like when he knocks one down, he'll hoist a few more up and can go two for three or three for four. But he generally doesn't want to do that. So with non-shooters, for people listening out there, generally you can play off them a little bit. You can give them some space. Um, if you've ever watched Rajon Rondo play, a lot of people would, would would play off him. I think that's actually working against teams more than it's helping them pro because, I mean, you'd probably agree with this. Rondo figured this out too. You kind of know everyone's going to play off you and get under. And a guy like Zion, um, everyone's playing off him knowing that he's going to drive. The problem is because you're not – you're not up to touch or you're not, you don't have any contact or you're not up in his grill, mm-hmm. he can get ahead of steam and yeah. he's going to beat you to the spot nine times out of ten and he's a mach- he's a freight train coming down. So even if you beat him to the spot, that charge is going to hurt. You're going to feel that in the morning, right? So I noticed a trend with a lot of these teams mucking him. A muck means that you're, you're, you're three, three or four feet away from him when he's got the ball on the perimeter, but he's just picking a spot and beating guys and he's kind of nimble. He's, he's light-footed for his weight. And I think teams are going to make an adjustment there. I think you you kind of almost have to. I would much rather prefer you kind of half pressure him just so it's not as easy as a rip through pro and, and not as easy as a spot to get from A to B. He has to actually make a jab step move or a, mm-hmm. or some sort of isol, uh, dribble move to get by you. Whereas right now, you know, he's getting ahead of steam. And okay, you might get one charge out of ten, but those other nine, he's getting the free throw line of scoring. It's just a little little thing that I saw, especially against Phoenix these last two games. Yeah, Bogues, like, you know, as crazy as it sounds, in my opinion, he's not an, like, Zion's not an explosive athlete right, like, right from jump. He needs that sort of head of steam to get to that elite athleticism that he has. He's not really, like, freakishly long. He's big and strong. You know, he's a strong guy, and and he's, you know, and once he gets that head of steam, though, you're, you're, you're fucked. Now, he has improved his ball handling, which is better. His perimeter shooting still really isn't where, it, you know, it, it should be. But I think that, um, like you said, if you give him that, you know, if you give him that, like, head of steam, you're screwed. Now, he's shooting 72 from the line, which is helping him, but the three ball still isn't there, but... Like you give him that head of steam and you're playing off of him and you forget about him. 
And that now he gets the ball on like a dribble kick or what have you, or a ball reversal. And now he rips you through. And then like one, like you said, he'll beat you to the spot. And then once he beats you to the spot, it's tough. I think you're, you're better off just playing up to him. Not, not like he's Ray fucking Allen or something, but like you need to give him some, you know, friction and, and he needs to feel you. Cause it's, it's hard for him to get by guys like that, in my opinion, unless he bowls you over and he's going to get a lot of charge calls. But if you play off of him in like he's a non scoring threat from the perimeter, like you said, I think you made a good point. I think he, you know, he, he it's going to come back to bite you. Yeah, it definitely is. But yeah, just, just some of those people to watch the games. It'll be interesting to see if teams adjust to that. I mean, in playoffs, I think teams will, but in the regular season, no one really has. And he's playing really well. Who do you have this week? Orlando Magic Bogues. I know I, I was messing around. They won like one game in is a row. Is it twice? Uh, is not it in a row. Magic? Not in a row, but two out of three. Not in a row, but Bogues, two. They won three in a row. They beat, <laughs> they beat Toronto yeah. twice, which isn't easy. And they beat the Clippers with Paul George. Now, they didn't have Kawhi, Shocker. Um, you know, seeing both those guys, seeing both those guys in the same lineup, like seeing fucking, you know, the abominable snowman fucking riding the fucking Haley's Comet in the same sentence. But, the, <clears throat> but three and oh, the hey, Bogues, those guys are a tough out. Like, if you look up on the scoreboard, usually, and look, their record is atrocious, no question about it. They're fucking sitting <clears throat> at seven and 20, but like, you like in the in the past month there really hasn't been many games where they're just getting blown the fuck out and they play teams tough yeah they're not good enough to be really good teams but you go and beat Toronto which is a solid team in the east they're a top 10 team in the east right now and they beat them twice in a row they beat the clippers those guys play hard they they play hard you know Bonchero's been out a lot of the year i think he's played I think he's played something like 75% of his games finally, but he's been out like up and down. He's been out, but those guys are, you know, they're fucking battling and they're a tough team. And I think it's not like the Rockets, which they have a bunch of knuckleheads together and you don't know if they'll ever get it through. Like these guys are legit. I think if they can keep these guys together for the next couple of years, they're going to be a good team. They're not even close to that, but a team like this winning three in a row, is and they compete every night, and you got to give it. You you got to give, you know, those guys a lot of credit. And you know, Mos, you know, Mosley's done a great job with those guys. They're they're up every night. Bowl bowl. I mean, fuck. Like I thought he'd be playing in Indonesia right now. The fucking guys averaging twelve and seven, and probably sort of top four, top five, and most improved. You know, for the year and. I think they're a good team. And then and let's not forget, like, Jonathan Isaac hasn't played in, like, three years. You know, and they're doing this without him. And they just got a scrappy team that plays hard. They play together. And, look, you know, they're not going to be hanging any banners anytime soon. But they're definitely on the right track. I, I looked at that, and I'm like, they went three in a row. I got to give it to them shit. Like, that's that's a pretty good accomplishment for them. And I know, like, I think I was fucking around a couple of weeks ago when I gave it to them because they won, like, two in a row. But... Now they've just been competing every night. They're, they're in almost every game they play. And then they, they won three in a row. Look, they're not fucking, you know, they're not the 1986 Celtics playing stretch, but got to give it to them. Got to give them a lot of credit for it. That was off a nine-game losing streak. They've won three in a row. So it's a, a pretty good bounce back week for them. And, and they do, I think we said this last time, they do play teams tough. Um, they, they're not They're not a... Usually these – like you look at Charlotte, they're, they're a pretty easy beat, right? Like if you show up and bring energy, you're going to win that game. Whereas Orlando, you got to actually win the game. Mm-hmm. And even some of those losses in that streak, you look at Milwaukee, they lose by seven. Toronto, 
the week before that, they lose by 13. They lose by 11 to Cleveland. Atlanta, they, they lost by double digits. But then Brooklyn, they lose by seven. So Philly, they lose by eight. So they keep games pretty close. Indiana, they lose by one. So they're, they're, they're not – they've got a, a few – there was a few blowouts in there, but for the most part, they're competitive. So they – um. Yeah, they got a bright future. They got a lot, of, a lot of a good mix of, of vets and 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 young guys that are developing. I, I, I would assume some of those vets are going to be gone. I'll talk about that a little bit later in our trade segment. But um, they're fun to watch. Young and athletic. All right. So my weakest team of the week. Um, I just late scratched Atlanta. Oof. They were in my in my barrel in my firing barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, they. They won on the buzzer to Chicago. Absolutely horrendous finish to that game. You, you probably haven't seen it yet, Pro. But um, the Bulls were down by two with the ball with, with you know, one point, one point whatever seconds left, one point something. They fouled DeRozan shooting a three at the top of the key that was well contested. Mm. Give him three free throws. He knocks all three down with 0.5 left. They come down and then the Bulls give up an over-the-top lob to the outer block for a buzzer beater to AJ Griffin. So mm. if that didn't go in, they would have been my team of the week. That They're still – they're an honourable mention. They've been horrible since that uh, that fallout with McMillan and Trey. Um, it's been pretty bad. And I've got some mail that, that looks like McMillan's going to be gone pretty soon, bro. Um, we'll see if that eventuates. But some people in the know saying that that does not look good. But my, my team that I had to go with – um, Phoenix Suns. Mm. <laughs> They've uh, lost four straight. Chris Paul's back and healthy and playing. Uh, all right, Booker Booker's done his hammy again as a last game, two games ago. But they've had a horror week. When you factor in their injuries, you factor in just the way they've played. Uh, they've lost four straight. It's just been. It hasn't been good. There's a lot of there's a lot of finger pointing starting on, on starting out on that court, bro, with the Phoenix Suns, which is something you don't. Yeah, you didn't see from them the last two seasons, even though they finished so poorly last season. You didn't really see it as much till, till that Dallas series, really. But it just it does not look good. They um they they just look really really clunky, and this is this is a team supposedly primed for championship success. They got absolutely in that you know there's four losses. One of them, Dallas, it seems like Dallas is a team that completely turns Phoenix's <laughs> season around for the most part. Their, f- their first loss in this four-game streak was Dallas, 130 to 111, blown out. Next night, Boston absolutely hammers them on national television. It finished a bit more complimentary than it should have been at 125 to 98, but that was a 40-point game at one point. Then New Orleans beat them by 11 and beat them by five in overtime today. But they, um, you know, those three games in there, they lost by double digits. Just don't look the same. They they look like they're all over the place. They're searching for different lineups still. Our guy Landau's back in the lineup now. Um, we'll talk about him in Aussie Watch, but yeah, it's it's just weird. Um, you know, Chris Paul's not the Chris Paul of old. I mean, he's a sensational player over the course of his career, but I don't know if you can win with him playing 30, 35 right now. Um, and the backup's Payne, who's, I think, good, but he's erratic. So yeah, they've got right. some issues down there. They can't stay healthy. Uh, Booker's out now. And that, that, crater, that Crowder misdemeanor they made, look, I, I get they didn't want to extend him, but from what I heard, it was him not being able to compete for his starting spot in training camp, they could use him right now. They need some toughness on that squad. They've got, they got a bunch of guys that are down he, downhill skiers and they don't have many that want to cross country up the hill. So they get my nod for the uh, the weakest team of the week, pro. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I don't I, – that, that, they, I didn't have them, but I agree with everything you said. And the Jay Crowder thing – like first of all, this this ha- should have never gotten to this point with Jay Crowder. Look, Jay Crowder, 
he's always been edgy. He's always had a chip on his shoulder. He's always been a guy that is very proud and, and, and sort of had a lot of pride of, of how he plays. And of course, he's going to be a little pissy about, you know, starting job and all that. And this is where, look, I'm not in the building, so I don't know. But like, this is where I think a lot of teams make mistakes when there's a little bit of a clash with a player. And instead of just saying, dude, like, how are we going to work this the fuck out? Like, look, like, we we may not need you. We may not start you because we'll start Cam Johnson, but we're going to give you starters minutes. And there's going to be some nights where we finish games with you. But, like, we want them to give you every opportunity to do this. But you know how NBA teams are. They, like, you know, they go through an intermediary. They go through the agent. They they just sort of cute with the player. And they, you know, and they're just sort of, you know, it just sort of, and then it ends up being a passive-aggressive ball of shit that ends up being fucking, all right, they, they, they send the player away. I'm not saying it's all the player's fault or the team's fault, but, like, a lot of these things could just be talked out if you just talk to them like human beings and be like, look, dude, like, we, we see Cam Johnson as a future player. He's younger. We get it. But we're going to play you a shitload of minutes, and there's going to be some nights where you finish for us and close without question. We need you. You need that toughness. You need that, like, tough guy, and that's what he is. He's their Charles Oakley. They're Rodman without being out of control. He's just a tough guy. He's not like alpha dog like those guys. But like, I think that's a big part of it. And, you know, you like take Tory Craig's minutes at the backup four. Take some of Damian Lee's minutes. Take all of Josh Okogie's minutes. You know, he's brutal. And then, you know, like you could play the guy. He could help you win. He's a tough guy. Yeah, you might not extend him, but all these contracts are movable, folks. And it's funny, like... You talk about the Brunson thing when bought in Dallas, where they could have signed him a little bit more than they wanted to, and they wanted to have some flexibility, but that ended up biting them in the ass when they could have had him for fifty-five. You know this Jay Crowder thing, like you could have extended him, waited till December fifteenth if you wanted to move him, but like this wouldn't have been an issue. Just extend him. All of these contracts. Give him two years. Yeah. Yes. Give him one of those Bogdan- Bogdanovich deals. Folks. Give him a year or two years. He would have been happy with that. In the last three, four years, how many awful fucking contracts have been moved? Chris Paul was moved twice. His contract, everyone said he was unmovable. Westbrook, John Wall got yeah. traded. Westbrook got traded. All these terrible fucking deals. He's not going to be a terrible deal. What were you going to give Jay Crowder? Two years, 30 or whatever it was? You could move that. You can move that, and he's tough. He, you, you, you know, his shooting's much improved. He helps you. He's a good player. But now look at you. Cam Johnson goes out. Like, when Cameron Johnson came out, like, that's the first call that should have been made. Like, like you know, Jay, what is it going to take? Extension? Extension? Whatever it's going to take, we're going to do it. We need you. I don't know why Jay Crowder is just still sitting out, and you're not going to get much right now for Jay Crowder. You'll get something, but you're not going to get anything great. And yeah, I mean, with the Chris Paul thing's been up and down, and you know uh, the backup big deals. But I know we talk about Wandale a lot, but like you know, he's a better player than Bayambo. Like Bayambo, like like we talked about it. If you're going to play like in the finals against fucking. You know, if you're gonna play against Philly in the finals and you have to deal with Embiid, yeah, Bayambo is a better better matchup than than Jock is. You know, then maybe if you played like Towns or something like that, yeah, like you need that physicality, that defense, and Bayambo is a better defender than Jock. But Jock's smarter. He can, you know, he's just a smarter player. He's more he's more of a thinker, a better off the ball player. You know, he could do more, especially offensively and. 
I, I just think that that's big. And I just think that whole deal with Crowder, you know, I, I think it really cost him. And, you know, like campaign is a good, like an okay player. He could score on some occasion, but it's just, they're just missing something, man. And they've just been up and down. So yeah, they're definitely team of the week for sure. That, you know, that's a good, that's a good call. Here you go. Miami Heat. Miami Heat. They okay. so they yeah, they they lose they they lose to San Antonio. Uh no Jake po- Jacob Podel. They lose to them and then they also lost to um they lost to Memphis without uh they lost to Memphis without John Morant the other night in you know shorthanded team. I think they they didn't have Clark. Uh, I forgot who else they didn't have, but they they didn't have two of those three and then I want to say they lost three out of the last four, Bogues. Hold on. Let me just make sure I'm not messing this up. So they lost there. They lost there. Yeah, uh, three out of the last four. Yeah. Memphis, Detroit losses. The, they beat the yeah. Clippers and they lost to, lost to the Spurs. And they lost to the Spurs, right. So, yeah, just look. They've, they've had issues all year. And, you know, they just don't have any consistency. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, think, it's, I think it's time to sort of start thinking about, all right, like – you know we've got, you know we've got Biombo who's Biombo, yeah. We've got Adebayo who's our guy. You know Jimmy Butler's getting up there in age. We could still get something for Butler. We could still get something for Lowry. You know what's? I think in my opinion you should just move on from it. Or you're gonna have to deal Tyler Hero and get something because Tyler Hero will probably bring you back the most assets. Um, you know that's not Bam. And I think that Hero will give you the most assets because he's obviously putting up, you know, his 20 and 6 and he's young and you can get something for him for sure and going forward. Because if you're going to make a big move, if you're going to make a move for Durant or something like that, where I, I think that, that you know, like a, a Tyler Hero plus some other assets, maybe get off Duncan Robinson, but like, you know, they're going to have to make a move. They're just not, they're not a good team right now. They're not a typical Miami Heat deal. Like they're 12 and 15 right now as we speak. And, you know, I, I just don't see that thing, you know, upticking to the point where they're going to be a top three, top four team. And if they don't have home court advantage, I think it's going to be tough for them. I don't think they have it offensively. I think that they can get out of a round possibly, but like, you know how it is, Bogues, especially if you get into that second round deal, you know, to advance past there, you need like that second really big time go-to scorer. And I just don't think they have it. Like Hero's up and down with the scoring. Butler's up and down with the scoring. I just don't think they have that like big time perimeter threat. Oladipo's finally starting to play, but he, I don't think he's going to really make a huge difference with them. So, yeah, I'm just not sold on the Heat. I, and you know me, I'm usually fucking Mister Miami Heat, and I just don't, I don't see it up to this point. I don't see where they could really kick in the high gear. You know, they just, they just, I think they win the award for most inconsistent team of the season so far. They just. They'll have a couple of week, a week where they play really well, and it looks like they're turning it around, and then they plummet back down. They they they're just all over the place. The, the, you know, their identity of probably the last two or three years isn't there anymore. Uh, probably the you know the Eastern Conference Phoenix Suns really. Um, it's kind of all over the place. Probably way worse because they're not winning games. But to to win 
to lose those those three games and th- two of them were at home um, is pretty pretty bad news. You, you got to beat those teams, especially if you're in the position where that, this isn't the Miami Heat that were a top four team as of last season when you can afford to drop one on a lazy night versus San Antonio. They're 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 fighting for a plane right now. <laughs> they're dropping they're dropping games to some bad teams. So I agree with that. I think they they're definitely struggling. Um, I'd be interesting to see if they look to to make a trade. I mean. There will be some some candidates out there. They need something. They need some. Ben- they need a bench punch for sure. Um, I think Hero now starting. They lose a bit of that bench scoring, and they just it just does not look good um, to the eye, bro. So good call on that one. All right, uh, real quick. Rest in peace to Paul Silas. Uh, passed away today, I believe, or, or late last night. An NBA veteran who played and coached, um, coached numerous teams. He played as well, you know, uh, 1,254 games played for 9.4 points and 9.9 rebounds a game with 2.1 assists. Uh, One of the few players that uh, got to 10,000 points and 10,000 rebounds. So his son's still involved in the league and floating about. And, yeah, you never want to see an NBA legend pass, but he he was of of age and uh, wish – Wish Paul's family all the best, and I know a lot of people in the NBA family were. I was never really involved with him. I don't think you were either, pro um, on, a, on a working relationship with any teams. But I'd, I played against many of his teams where he was a, a coach or an assistant, and um, everyone that speaks of him speaks very highly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he was a you know a household name with the Celtics, obviously playing in the seventies, and um, you know two time All Star. I thought he was a Hall of Famer. I guess not, but. Um, I, I work with his son, Steven. He, I, I met his son, Steven, who's obviously the head coach of the Houston Rockets. I met him a long time ago, probably 25, 26 years ago when I was just starting out in basketball. Uh, a, a close personal friend, his son was, they were close, went to school together. And then, you know, seeing him along the way, um, I met Paul through Steven working with him with Dallas. You know, I worked with Steven, I think for two years in Dallas, if I'm not mistaken, you know, really good really good person, good human. And I met Paul. Paul came around the facility once or twice and, you know, good guy. I've known people that worked for him in Cleveland when he coached, I think he coached LeBron. He might've been LeBron's first coach. And, um, you know, when I was at the Celtics as a scout, he, he was, um, he was, he was, you know, people, I knew people that worked for him. Great guy, great human. And again, he was celebrated in Boston, you know, just being, being one of those guys and, you know, uh, it's uh you never really this is a this is a hard part of life growing up bogues you it's a cruel thief sometimes man it's just you know it steals people like this he's a great person and no one's ever had a bad thing to say about the guy and it's it's hard to you know hard to see the guy pass which is family all the best all right golden state warriors president of basketball operations pro bob myers he's on an expiring deal Myers and the team haven't been able to come to an agreement on extending his deal. Myers refused to discuss his status beyond saying my entire focus is on the season and the team. Golden State owner, CEO Joe Lacob said, we love Bob and hope he's here for a long time. What do you think is going on here? Do you think it's just a bit, a bit of leverage? It's interesting they haven't got this done yet um, with six months to the end of the season or to the end of his contract. Uh, I know that, you know, uh, the Lakers are very heavily involved in in the uh, in the day to day with with the Warriors. So, who knows? I mean, I know Kirk Laker, who is the son of of, uh, of Joe, is is somewhat being groomed to be one day a, a guy that's going to run a team. Um, could that be the Golden State Warriors? Who knows? But he's definitely doing all his 
ticking all these boxes, done stuff, with, doing stuff with the G League, been around the club on a day-to-day basis. Um, is that maybe the position? I, I don't see Bob leaving. Um, I just don't. But this looks like it's it's a leverage situation, considering you just you know you read the wording. Um, that's what everyone says. Are focusing on the team, uh, and Joe Lake saying the same thing. We love Bob and hope he's here for a long time. So, could it just be the figure that the, that uh, Joe Lake has put out is is not uh, good enough for Bob, or do you think um, he could be out of there soon? You know, Bogues. Look, he's done such a great. He did a, a fantastic job putting that team together, and. Um, you know, just sort of, I think he's done a tremendous job. I, I don't, a lot of times when agents become GMs, you always think like, you know, there's not really a high success rate with that. And I think he's handled the job well. He, he's brought in some good people. He took some chances and, you know, look, he, he's taken that, he's helped take that organization to an all-time level. Um, the only problem is though, when you're talking about rich guys and you're talking about rich guys that have sons involved, um, it's never a good thing in the sense that like if you're a guy, if, especially with the team sort of plateauing a little bit and, you know, there's not really a lot more that you could do with that team unless there's some free agency stuff that you do or some trade things. Um, and then you have a son, a son of an owner waiting in the win, in the, in the wings, I guess they call it. Um, I, it's never great in, in the sense that like for your job security. Look, I think they should extend him. I, I think it's a no-brainer. But usually people like that, like you never hear about Pat Riley unless he does it. You never hear about Hall of Fame type people that has won multiple championships as a coach or a general manager getting into that last year of their deal unless they want to play the field. And Myers doesn't seem to me like the type that wants to play the field. So I don't know. I have no idea. Like I said, with the Phoenix thing, I'm not in the building. So I can't really tell you. I don't know. I have no intel on it. But when you have a son that's, you know, of an owner that's been in it, it's, um, you always, you just got to scratch your head, you know, and say, and look the other way, probably hold your breath before you stop your car in the morning, like those old mob movies. But I, I, I don't know. I, I think that that definitely would tell me that, Maybe they are yeah, at some point ready to make a switch, and but who knows? I have no idea. What I mean, what do you think, folks? Like, sort of. I think you'll get. I think you'll get a shorter term deal. Yeah, because uh, I think I think Kirk's in line to take that job one day. It's just a matter of when, in my opinion. Right. Um, and look, Kirk has you know whether you people are going to have an opinion one way or another of nepotism and whatnot that he's the owner's son, but at the same time, he's. He's putting a lot of work towards it as well. So you can't – obviously he's in a position of um, – I hate using the word position of privilege because I just hate that that phrase, but he is because he's the owner's son and he's obviously had to had to uh, had the opportunity to be able to get in that in that process much easier than most people, but that's that's just the way life goes. But I think he's also putting in the work. So I, I, I don't think this is a case where, you know, he woke up as Joe's son and he's the job. So I think, I think um, Joe's actually – making him tick all those boxes like anyone else should mm-hmm. to work his way up. But, yeah, my, my, my if I'm a gambling man, I would just say probably a two, maybe a three-year deal. I don't think it's going to be a long-term. And mm-hmm. then and then I think um, they might move on. That will probably transition out with Steph too um, down the line, you know, like maybe Bob wants to go in tandem with Steph and, you know, a lot of GMs do that. That superstar leaves, the guy that they've won – 
won everything with leaves, they leave too because they know it's it's a full rebuild process now where you don't have those veterans in the room anymore. So will be interesting, but interesting stalemate there. Trade market real quick. Cam Reddish is available, pro. Are you shocked by that? Um, no one, no one's really shocked by that. He came over from Atlanta to New York last season. There were reports, um, and we both heard that Thibs didn't even want him, and so much so as it went went with a little bit of a back and forth with the front office um, because he didn't want him, he didn't want to play him, which is never a good thing for the player. But he hasn't really worked his way into the rotation. Um, so he'll be looked to probably move. I, I don't think that's a big deal. Deal. Kyle Kuzma's come up as wanting out of Washington, uh, wants to move to a bigger market. That's a shocker as well, but um, th- there is a chance. I think he's a free agent going into this season. There is a chance for him to be traded before the deadline. Um, he, he'll be in the market for approximately 20-odd million a year in free agency. Do Washington pull the trigger on that? Who knows? But there's word that he wants out. He could, you know, there's some suitors such such as Sacramento and a few others that are, are kicking the tires on that. See if he moves on. Um, Bogdanovich signed his extension with Detroit Boyan, that is, but he's on the market now, uh, which is interesting. I think he can really help some teams. A team like the Lakers, one of these teams that really needs some bench scoring and a shoot a shooting presence for them. Gary Harris, Terrence Ross, and Mo Bamba. So we spoke about earlier Orlando playing well. They're kind of – well, Gary Harris and Terrence Ross at least are the veterans in that group. Uh, I'm surprised Terrence Ross hasn't been moved previously uh, for a playoff-bound team around the deadline last season. I, I dropped that name. And then your guy, Mo Bamba, those three are available. Spurs have Pirtle, McDermott, and Josh Richardson available. I think most of the Spurs are available by their probably untouchable two or three guys. Eric Gordon is available, and I think he'd be a real. Obviously, I think he's probably the best. Him and Bogdanovich, in my opinion, um, that's not including Kuzma because we don't know what Kuzma's doing. But as far as a team that can get on a veteran team and give them that extra bit of oomph to get through maybe a, a second round or conference finals or a conference finals to a final, so he's available. And Gary Trent Jr. apparently is being floated by Toronto. They're, they're not too sold on keeping him long term. So they're the names, pro. I don't know if you've heard any others, but what do you think about that list? I mean, it's a solid list. I think that most of those players that you mentioned are, are sort of sort of players that are, are, are you know wanted to be moved. I think that most of that stuff's true information. The only issue with Eric Gordon, he's got I think he's got another year left on his deal after this one for twenty million. So it, it'll be tough to sort of make a deal work with him. I mean, it's not like mostly a guy like him you'd want to take on the last year of a deal. Um, you know, Gary Harris, you know. I don't know, like he's been up and down with his injury issues. Terrence Ross, um, Bamba, you know, I think Podal is one of the better names in that list. Gary, Her- I mean, um, uh, Gary Trent Jr. as well. But um, I think Podal's going to get moved to a contender. Like if I'm Dallas, I'm, I'm looking at that, you know, really good interior defender, roller, screener, you know, not doesn't need the ball in his hand. So, but they, they get the Christian Wood, so I don't know if they'll do that. Kuzma, I could see, like, he's having a really good year. You know, I think he's, what is it, like 20 and 7? Um, you know, but again, they're not really going anywhere. It'd be interesting what they get for him. Um, uh, the, uh, the, the Gary Trent Jr., that, that's been an interesting one because I thought he's been a really solid player for them and, and keeping, you know, that he's doing well. I, I'm surprised he's sort of on the block and what they're going to do if they do deal him. But yeah, I mean those names are pretty good. It's a those are pretty interesting list. And the Cam Reddish thing, I just don't understand it. You hear more about Cam Reddish than you do fucking LeBron James, for God's sakes. Like, you know, everybody's talking about you know, request and trade, this trade, that trade. The guy averages like what, eight points a game? 
You know, he's a rot- like he's an end of a rotation player. I never saw the big thing even coming off of the draft. I just thought he was a so-so prospect. Like, but everybody makes a big deal of this, and you know, it's sort of like the prom queen in you know 2007. Everybody forgets. No one cares anymore. But everyone's like Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish. I don't. I just don't know what you're gonna get for Cam Reddish. Like, if you're a team and someone offers you Cam Reddish, what are you gonna give? Second round pick. You know, that's that's yeah, what exactly. he's worth to me. It's so. just funny because he comes up every he's come up every trade deadline the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Um, but he, he obviously in a, in a crappy situation for him individually. Thibs isn't a fan. Uh, be interesting to see if he ends up somewhere where he can prove his worth. But um, an interesting list of names. Uh, we never know the temperature of the trade market. Some some years it's it's quiet leading in and it goes bang, and then the years where there's a lot of hype around it, uh, there's going to be a lot of moves, a lot of expiring contracts, and then nothing happens. So. Um, I think this will be in between those two. I think well, there'll be some moves, but I don't think there's going to be any absolute blockbusters um, this season. Let's get into our strains of the week. Paddy Mills Pro hasn't played since November 25th. Um, Brooklyn rested basically their whole squad versus Indiana, and he goes for 24, 6, and 6. So only played one game this week for Paddy Mills, but just uh, I want to discuss this one because this is a guy that hasn't played for almost three weeks. Um, comes out and, and he's ready to play. His number's called. He's like, okay, coach, I know I'm going to play tonight because I think they rested basically the whole starting five. I'm going to put up a night tonight that makes you makes you have to play me when we're healthy. And he's done that tonight, he, uh, that, that night, sorry, against Indy. And um, uh, who was the other one? Um, who's the other the other guard? Cam Thomas. Cam, yeah, Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas had an absolute night as well with 33. 33. Another guy who hasn't played a whole lot when they're healthy. And he'll be a guy teams are circling, I think, that hasn't popped up. They probably don't want to give him up because they know that post this season, KD might want out, Kyrie's probably gone. He'll he'll end up being one of their better options. But some teams, some some Sharks might be circling and throwing some offers there. But uh, great job by Paddy and, and great job staying ready. Joe Ingles, no news to report, ACL rehab still. Ben Simmons only played one game. He's back on the injury list. He had six, six, seven, and four steals in the one game this week. Matisse, two games, only four and a half, four and a half points, one point five steals, half an assist, and half a rebound. So nothing to really write home about. Uh, Josh Green, six and a half points, two rebounds, one point five assists. He's solid numbers. He's been solid throughout. Dyson Daniels, who is now starting pro, he's taken that starting lineup with Brandon Ingram out. They've moved Dyson to the point, moved CJ to the two. It's working. Like we said, seven straight wins. Dyson doesn't need the ball. Happy to play a role. He's at, for the week, seven points, 2.6 rebounds, 3.6 assists, and a steal. So he's been real solid for him. Delhi's cracked the rotation in Sacramento pro. Um, he had an influential night against his former club, the Cleveland, Cleveland Cavaliers. Not a big night stat-wise, but a a Dally night. He had 16 minutes. He had, you know, three points, four assists, a couple of rebounds and four steals. And then he backed that up tonight uh, in a loss to the Knicks with two points, four assists and a steal. So he's cracked the rotation, um, solid, nothing over the top, but uh, he was playing zero minutes at the start. And there were a lot of people, at least in Australia, scratching their head saying, well, he wasn't that good for United. How's he going to play in the NBA? Dally's not a player that you know, can be is a number one superstar option that you sign him for an NBL team. He's going to get you thirty points and ten assists. He's not that guy. He's a perfect kind of intangibles guy within your squad. He's a great two or three or four option, or just an option to run your squad. And he's fitting that well in Sacramento. Jock Landale has found minutes again, as we discussed, fifteen minutes for the week. 
a game, uh, 6.3 points, 3.3 rebounds, 1.3 assists. And Josh Giddy now our two-time strain of the week, uh, 13 points, 13.5 points, 11.5 rebounds, five assists and one steal he averaged this week. But he was 11 for 29 from the field, he, especially against Cleveland, I think, was the game where he missed a lot of bunnies around the hoop. So a little bit of a struggle for him with his offensive, with his field goal percentage, but he still is the best statistical performer of the week for the Australians, and, and now he's won two of them. We'll get a chart who wins the most Australians of the week and give them a, a Rogue Bogues trophy at the end of the season that doesn't exist, bro. But that's the Australians of the week. Anything on those guys? Uh, you know, I saw Josh Green the other night against uh, Milwaukee, and I'll tell you what, man. He, he's done an unbelievable job in his development, and he's, you know, I think he's a top 40 player at his position, and I think that he's... He's sort of going to be one of those guys who could really continue to get better. Shooting's obviously improved. Playmaking's getting better. Um, I really enjoy watching him play, and, and I don't. I don't get to see Dallas a lot, but from what I see about him and, and what they've done with him, and um, it's done great. The Wandale thing, you know, I, you know how I feel about that. I talked about three hours about that earlier in the show. You know, Daniels is playing better. I haven't really seen much of Ben Simmons. Uh, Joe Ingles that prick he's in town he doesn't call me or he hasn't hit me up in about two years anyway so I'm probably on his shit list by accident and then um, Patty Mills you know that's great to see it, like for young players and, and parents that are, that are listening to this show I apologize in, in advance for swearing so much if they are parents that listen to the show but like you know that's just sort of an example of a pro that just continues to stay ready. You know, here's a guy who doesn't play multiple games in a row, you know, on some on some weeks and he just stays ready. He doesn't he doesn't allow not playing to sour and, and hit you know, be, eat at him and then when he's actually asked to perform, he's mentally not there. He's always ready, ready to contribute, ready to come off the bench and do anything that's gonna help the team win and done such a good job of that. And that's great to see that again you didn't think much of him because he's been he hasn't been playing a lot and then once they give him that opportunity it's great to see that in the stat sheet and then you know the Thibault thing you know I watched him a little bit I think I watched him maybe against the Lakers and it's great to see I, I think he's a good player I just think that the shooting thing he needs to address because if he's not going to be able to shoot the ball he's not going to be able to play for you know most teams and I think that in the summer, he really needs to address that. I don't know how he does it, but he needs to address it. You know, I think that like it, it shocks me both sometimes with NBA players that have all these other tools and they're missing the shooting piece, and they play all summer and they do this all summer, they run around all summer, but yet they just don't like invest in a shooting coach and say, look. I'm going to have you lock me in this fucking gym until we figure this thing out because this is going to the only thing that's holding me back from getting 20 plus million a year. This is the only thing because he's one of the best defensive players in the league. He's an athlete. He's a great kid, works hard, but he can't make shots. And I, that's the number one, like to me, I don't care if it's national team. I don't care what shooting the basketball for him is his number one goal that he needs to do or he's going to be really locked out of this thing and he's really handcuffing himself with his you know with his sort of furthering his career financially and just stature in the league it's a shooting league you got to be able to make shots there's no other excuse that's the number one you know 
if his agent doesn't have anything set up for him, I'd fire the fucking agent. Like he needs to be able to fucking get a shooting coach in the summer and figure this thing out. He's too good of a player not to. And that's all I got on these. Yeah, guys. but pro. I mean, he, he's not. He, look at his historical stats. So he played twenty minutes a game his rookie year. He shot just under thirty six percent from three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His second year, he he dropped down to thirty percent from three. Last season, he was. 31.3, so respectable, um, but not 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 off these cha- off off the world charts, um, off the charts of the world, whatever. Um, but this season he's 23%. I think a lot of it is just confidence, bro. I don't think he's shot. I've seen him, his his mechanics and all that, it's it's not broken. Um, I think he, you're right, he does need to spend some time in the gym, but I think without making excuses for the guy, I think Doc's just, I mean, he, the just the rotations and he's in and out and he's a scapegoat when they're playing bad and then when they're playing good, he doesn't play. It's just like he's still – I think he's arguably as good as a defender as PJ Tucker on that team. Oh, without question. Um, and PJ had a stretch where he didn't score for, what, six straight games or some shit? It was mm-hmm. something hilarious. There was something mm-hmm. training about that. So I think a lot of this is – I think I think he's he puts a bit – he probably does need to put more time in, but – I think some of it is just Doc. I think it's just he's 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 the odd man out in this in this roster. He's on a team with two guys that are ISO guys in, in Embiid and Harden. Harden's going to dribble the air out of the ball at times. Mm-hmm. Then you got to factor in Maxi. Melton's playing good now. They've, they've got a bunch of different guys that can get in the lineups. He's the odd man out offensively. And now I, I think you know he's only attempting one point two threes a game, and and one two a game. So he's not really shooting the ball a lot. I think he's just putting pressure on himself. To really knock down that one that I'm going to get, and then if he doesn't make it, he doesn't shoot it again. And I think that's that's a big part of um, growth and maturity. But I, I'd love to know, you know, some blame needs to be placed on Doc. He's one of your youngest, younger, good players that just kind of plateaued under you as coach, and questions need to be asked. Yeah, but also in the past, you know, Daryl Morey, if he really likes a player or liked an asset on his roster. He sort of forced the issue that he played, and and he got an opportunity. There's got to be something there. I don't know. I have no intel on the information. You know, I do know that coaches, regardless of how nutty they can be with rotations and things like that, you know, if a guy could help them win, very few up, you know, ch- times you're gonna see where like even a coach being stubborn, if they feel as though somebody could help them win. That why they don't like they'll always throw them in. They're not. Ne- they're never gonna sacrifice their longevity in the league by not playing a player, even if they think that they can't help them. I I don't know. I have no idea. I just know that he's been up and down. Like you're like you're right. Like he shows some signs. Like you watch the kid play. I really like him. I think he should be in a rotation on most NBA teams. He defends too much. And and from what people tell me, he's an unbelievable kid. So, like, that plus that, this doesn't equal out. And the problem is, you know, the problem is, Bogues, right, if if he gets moved by, you know, trade deadline, which is a big possibility, I think, of him getting moved if he's not playing and somebody sees something in him. Like, he's got to make sure something gets done with stability and he's got a mentally like you say that he's a little rocky maybe with his confidence well like again nobody gives a fuck because if he's not ready for the next job if it's if it's philly if it's somewhere else if he's not ready 
and he's going to have a problem with confidence. It's going to mess him up, and they're going to move on from him there too. So he's got to figure it out. He's got to figure out, look, here's my routine. Here's what I need to get better at. Let's sort of claw at this. It's not going to be overnight, and let's do it. I think he could help a team. I think he's a really good player, but he needs to figure it out. And then also, like, look at his free – like, I don't know what was going on with the shot again. I don't know the guy. I've never spent time with him. But, like, even this free throw shooting, like, rookie year 61, then he goes to 44, then he goes to 79, now he goes to 33. Doesn't get to the line a lot. I think he's under one for his whole career, point, you know, per game. But, like, he needs to find stability, even if it's, like, a corner three-point shooter. Like, I don't I don't care if he emulates Corey Brewer. Remember him? We got a guy played in Florida, like, can finally make corner threes at the end of his career. Like, just be a corner three guy. Be a guy who's consistently like that. I don't know. Like you said, if it, if it's a situation where he's getting hosed from Doc and not playing when he deserves to play, then obviously it's out of his hands. But my thing is, if you're a young asset and you can help a team win, you usually find your way on the floor. And somebody forces the issue. If it's not the head coach, it's the GM. If they might be unison on this, and they maybe maybe they don't think he can play. I don't know. But he's too good of a fucking young asset for him not, not to, you know, not to be trying to play. I mean, he's so young, with he like twenty five. I mean, he's got plenty of time. But the problem is, like, if he doesn't get it done here and he goes somewhere else, he doesn't get it done there. They become like one of those dogs you see on the ASPCA commercials with Sarah McLaughlin playing in the background. They become like battered, battered players that just they lose their confidence for life. And hopefully, it doesn't come to that with him because, like I said, he's a good player. I'm available this summer if he wants to hire me. I'll come to fucking Australia. <laughs> well, he was good for the national team, so yeah. hopefully he can get some of that confidence back. And just looking at the guys he's losing, I mean, PJ does play the power forward position for the most part. Yeah. But, you know, PJ's playing 30 minutes a night and averaging three points um, a night on clips of, what is he at, uh, uh, 50% from the field, uh, 66% from the line, and 39% from three. So 39% helps him there. Um, especially shooting mainly for the corners. But I think it's a bit of both pro with Matisse. I think some of it is confidence that he needs to work on and some of it is he's just, you know, he's just falling out of the rotation and he's not, not coming back anytime soon. All right, let's get on to the NBLs. A wild week in the NBL started last Thursday with the Kings at New Zealand. Uh, it was a battle for first place. The Kings got that one done by seven which solidified top spot regardless of the results for the rest of that round. Southeast Melbourne punched Illawarra. Um, the Perth Wildcats beat Adelaide in Adelaide. The Cairns Taipans beat Illawarra by one. Illawarra were up by double digits. Illawarra are one of the worst teams in the league. They are the worst team in the league, and they, they had a big lead against Cairns early, and Cairns came back and won that. Melbourne United punched Brisbane. Southeast Melbourne beat the Adelaide 36ers by 18. And then the Sydney Kings go down to the Tasmania Jack Jumpers, a rematch of the mm. NBL Grand Final Series last season. Scott Roth getting a big win on the Kings' home floor. Sydney Kings haven't been good on their home floor. I mean, been, I, I feel like they, you know, let a lot of games slip. A lot of, a lot of teams are always in games. But the Kings were up 72 to 58 going into, the, I think, start of the fourth quarter, somewhere a couple of minutes in that fourth quarter. And they end up losing 84 to 76. So they score uh, – so I think they scored six points in the fourth quarter um, and Tasmania just ran all over them. And, and it should never have been that. I felt like the Kings were in cruise control from, in cruise control from a bad point of view, just cruising through that game, a nice lead. 
Tasmania tightened up the clamps and, and got that win and win by eight. So it still has kept um, the Sydney Kings in first place. And but yeah, real real interesting game. Just just it was a game of runs, and it goes to show you that games are games are, are never over in in the NBL. And I think if you ask me, I think the top five is right, right, right about where it is. You got Sydney, New Zealand, one, two. I think that's probably going to remain somewhat the same. Maybe Southeast Melbourne could sneak in there, but Southeast Melbourne are in third. Cairns are in fourth. Tasmania are in fifth at the moment. I think that's your top five. Uh, personally, I'm going to call it early. I think those five teams are going to make the top six. The sixth spot is going to be between Perth, Adelaide, and Melbourne, and you're going to have two good teams missing out. So it's it's pretty exciting. Illawarra's did last. I put a line through them. Brisbane, they are second last. I, unless they make a crazy run, they're four and nine at the moment. I don't see them really um, making a crack for the top six. Stranger things have happened. We'll see what happens. Do you know a guy by the name of Andrew White, pro, played at uh, Virginia, right? I believe he played it. No, was it uh, Virginia native, but played at Syracuse, didn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of the name. I don't know him well. No. Yeah, so he's just been signed by the Brisbane Bullets. Uh, 201 centimetres, athletic small forward, bit of NBA experience with the Atlanta Hawks on a few two-ways, uh, G League and most and, and some European experience. He played mostly in the Turkish Division One League. Uh, but so the Brisbane Bullets have just signed him. Um, three-point gunner. He set a three-point record at Syracuse with 109 threes made in a single season. So hmm. I don't know too much about him. I just read what, what the PR statement said and – they do need some shooting um, on these wings. They've got a few injuries as well, the Brisbane Bullets. So it'll be interesting to see if he can help them make a run. But uh, that is the NBL news for this week, Pro. Um, let's go on with Dabble. Download the app. Have a Dabble. Dabble is betting meets social media all in the same app. On Dabble, you can follow your friends, mates, stalk the experts or trending tipsters. Scroll through your trending bets and copy them all in one tap. You can get alerts when your mates, friends or your favorite tipsters bet. Instant alerts. Most importantly, you can follow me, Andrew Burgett, all one word on that app. Go on and download it at the App Store. Dabble, all one word. Dabble socially, gamble responsibly. And we do thank, thank Dabble for uh, sponsoring this podcast and getting it up week to week. Stats Pro, useful or useless? You ready to go? Let's do it. 15, 10, and 5 seasons on 60% shooting, Pro. Wilt in 1967. And there's two guys doing it this season, Pro. Japan, know who they are. You said 15, 15 points, 10, 15, re- 10 rebounds, five assists on 60% shooting. Only one guy in NBA history has done that till this season. That was Wilt in 1967. There's two guys doing it this season. Um, I'm going to guess. Let me see. Anthony Davis? One's obvious. No. One's Fif- obvious. Come on. You got to get, get one of them. 15, 10, and five. Minimum. 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 Yes. On um, 60% shoot, 60% shooting is the kicker. Ah, uh, okay. How about, what's his name? Um, our boy Jokic. One, yes. Okay. And the other see. one is a Euro as well. Giannis? No, nope. he's not shooting 60. Uh, um, Sabonis. 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 No, okay. Yep. Yeah, amazing, amazing numbers, um, amazing, yeah. amazing numbers, and and on top of that stat, I'll give you another one with Jokic. No player has ever had a season shoot averaging twenty ten eight on sixty percent, and Jokic currently 
24, 10, and 9, if you don't mind, just under a triple-double, on 63% shooting pro. Are those useful or useless? That's pretty useful, but I don't want to join the club of he's the first guy to do this shit because then it, now we start getting down a fucking path, a rabbit hole of, you know, th- th- this guy, you know, this guy averages 22 and 8 on a Saturday and only averages 19 and 2 on a Friday. Um, I think. So are you useless in it then? No, they're useful. No, they're useful for sure. I'm just. I mean, 60% plus on. 15, 10, and 5 minimum, but in Jokic's case, 24, 10, and 9 on 63%. That's going to be the first time ever in NBA history if he continues on his trajectory. Nah, that's pretty fucking useful for sure. I just – I want to know – I want to meet the people who, who like search for the first the first guy, like for the first to ever do this because it seems like 20 guys a day are doing first ever to do this. That's what it seems like. But – I'll say it's useful a for virgin, sure. A lot of virgins in the world, pros. A lot of virgins in the world. Ah, a lot shit. of first evers. Good point. Good point. I'll second yeah. that. But uh, well, I was our friends at StatMuse. They let us know. They've basically got an AI algorithm that can let you know whatever you want, whatever you type in these days. So pretty amazing stuff. But um, I think that's useful. I think I didn't, I, I'm surprised to see Sabonis in there. Um, you know, he's having a hell of a season. He's, 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 he should be an all-star this season in my opinion. Uh, whether he gets there or not is a different story. But, yeah, those two guys are having great seasons. All right, pro. Post-up points leader in the NBA is... Who is it, bro? Post-up points? Jokic? Mm-hmm. No. Doncic? Three guesses. That's one. Yes. No shit. Good get. I'm just guessing. Yes, Luka Doncic is the post-up points leader in the NBA. Um, and the... Every other name beyond that, as far as the eye can see, is either a, is either a forward or a power forward or a center. So, I love it. Uh, useful or useless? Uh, I think it's useful. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the guy's dominating the game by posting up. It's great. I mean, I, I love post-up point guards since Gary Payton and, you know, watching Magic do it, Gary Payton do it, Sam Cassell do it. You know, it's great to see bigger point guards do it. And, yeah, fuck it. I think it's, I think it's a great – Great way for him to sort of, you know, especially how he passes the ball to be able to, you know, post up. You want to double him, he could pass out of it. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool to watch. But yeah, I'd say it's useful for sure. Yeah, useful. And, and to your point, that's that's the thing. Most point guards aren't taught how to guard post ups. <laughs> There's an art form in guarding post ups. I, I knew it because I guarded a lot of post players. How you, how your arm bars are, where you can get away with little shoves, what you do before the ball comes in. Point guards generally have no idea about that. So for, for Luca to be able to go down there and punish these point guards, who he's bigger than most of, um, and then the second thing is he's your best passer. So you can run so much action off that, and we see night after night Luca making that, especially that cross court looping pass to the to the weak side corner for three. Um, it puts you in a position. So if you've got guards that can post up, I think it's just it's just something you don't see very often. It's not taught very much. But it's kind of a curveball for most teams. So I love seeing it. And yeah, it kind of shocked me that he's the leader in the NBA in post up points. So um, useful for that one. Last one Zion in the Pelicans winning streak 35 and 8, 35 and 7, 29 and 10, 25 and 6, 30 and 15, 33 and 10, and 23 and 8. Useful, useless. Mm, I'm going to say useless. Long term, because I want to see if he can stay healthy for the year. We know he could put up numbers. He's a fucking video game. But 
like, yes, in a short time, that is a pretty impressive thing. But with him, it's can he stay healthy? So, you know, maybe most will say that's useful. Useful, but for me, I, I see long term for the for the for him. And you know, if he can't stay healthy, it's 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 all for naught. You know, I, I'm saying useless, but it's a those are some hell of a numbers. I mean, he put up some great you know great numbers with this. But I'm going to say useless until he could stay healthy for the year and and play 65, 70 games in a season. I'm going to go usefulless. I'm sitting on the fence <laughs> on this one. And this is yeah. this is why I don't I don't I think they're a very good team without him already. I think they can prove they've proven they can win games without him. Right. But you add him a healthy Zion to that lineup that they've already built that young long wiry lineup. I think they they got a chance to be very very you know they are already very good, but they got a chance to really make some noise in the playoffs if not this season next season. So um I agree with your points. He needs more Longevity and, and 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 more of a more games with these kind of numbers, but man, he's a cherry on top of what they've built there. And um, I like also the fact that New Orleans has learned to play without him because I think he does get hurt a little bit with the way he plays, and, and they 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 look like they can adjust pretty quickly on the fly. So um, as long as he continues playing like this, they've got a chance. What do you have this week, folks? We talked about Miami and you know the the issues that they're having. They will trade. One of their top three, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, or Tyler Hero, by all uh, by trade deadline. Fact or fake news? Ooh, fake news. I think they got to run it out. I don't think Hero can go anywhere right now. He's the first year of his contract. Bam, they've kind of paid him to be their guy. And Jimmy, they from all reports, they love Jimmy. So look, I think they're going to let it run its course. Unless they unless they fall to like twelve thirteen and they've got really even a struggle to get to a playing game, which I don't see happening, then I would agree that they're, they're going to they might as well blow it up and start to look to rebuild. But I mean, even their roster pro, who do they rebuild with? Like you know, they, they where are you going to move these guys to to get a young star back? Um, stranger things have happened, but I'll go fake and use their staying together for for another another playing slash playoff run. Yeah, I mean. Maybe if this was a month from now and they were really bad, I would say definitely, you know, and, and, and probably up to about five minutes ago, I had um, fact that they were going to move, you know, one of those three. Um, but right now, like they're sitting at, you know, 12 and 15, nine games out, but they're only, what, three and a half out of fourth, you know, from Brooklyn. And they could still do it. I still, as of now, and maybe I'll I'll pop this question up in about four to six weeks from now. But right now, I would say fake news. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think they'll keep it together. I mean, look, they're a three or four game win streak away from still getting back in the thick of things. They're at ten right now, um, tied. I think tied with Chicago for ten. So they still got a chance, but I think. You know, Pat Riley is always going to make a move to try to, you know, to keep those teams, to keep his teams relevant. I'm not sure if there's still base year compensation, you know, where like if you if you sign a guy extension from a rookie deal, like it's almost, you know, base year compensation means it's almost like untradeable, you know, as far as like, I don't know if it's just December 15th, you could move them or if there's that base year. I forgot if they got rid of that, that rule, but if they could deal them, you know, like. To me, Bogues, would you get 
would you make a run at Durant? Like, and if you're Brooklyn and Faith, but I mean, Brooklyn's four right now, so I don't think they're really thinking about breaking this thing up. But just let's say they it goes bad in the next month for Brooklyn. Like, would you would you think about a package for Durant with like maybe even both Butler and and Hero? Would you would you think about it or no? Oh, of course, you think about it. I mean, that's if. You think Duran and Riley can co- can coexist? <laughs> um, but, yeah. I mean, you have to listen for anything for Duran or for, for a. Co- I mean, I'm. I'd like to see Miami go after Kyrie somehow. I, I think if there's one team and one owner, uh, one one GM, one owner, one culture that can get Kyrie back to his best um, and completely focused on basketball, would be Miami. It's a great place to live, of course. Um, good weather, good culture, good vibe, good feel. Mm-hmm. They generally win most seasons. They're not. I'd like to see them make a move for him and even sign him in free agency. Um, but their cap, I think, does not allow them to do that right now. So, yeah, I think the Kyrie one, KD, probably not so much. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that'd definitely be interesting. And, and I think both teams listen to that at that point, right? I think um, – but with that, I think Brooklyn then has to move a, a couple more of their shooters. That They've got so – Brooklyn have so many good players <laughs> – that just don't – we spoke about it earlier. You know, Cam Thomas just erupts for 33, hasn't played all season. Paddy's just sitting there doing nothing. You know, they've got Seth Curry off the bench. They've got a lot of guys, man, that can really be valuable to other teams that just are in a in a situation where they're just too many stars in front of them. So, but yeah, overall with that Miami thing, I don't think they're making a move right now. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I second that. Right now I would say it's fake news. Bogues, um, do you see Nate McMillan – as a coach of the Atlanta Hawks past trade deadline? Fact or fake news? The, the deadline's a kicker. I think he's gone by end of season. Um, Whether that mean off-season or towards the end? But I, I think – look, I think if there's one more little mishap between him and Trey or, or any other players, I think there's some trouble there. I think there's going to be some trouble brewing. And I think there's – you know, if, if they go on a spiral, which they're kind of already in right now, they've lost three of their last four and they got lucky today in Chicago, I could definitely see – you know, as soon as you hear some of these player-only meetings happen again, I think the writing's going to be on the wall. But they're, you know, they were they were almost in first position a couple of weeks ago and playing well. And then this this Trey Young thing happens with Nate, and and kind of everything's just kind of gone um, all over the place. But you know, just looking at their 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 schedule coming up, they have a lot of winnable games. Um, mm-hmm. Just going on their next their next five to ten odd games. They're at Memphis, at Orlando, at Charlotte. Orlando at home, Chicago at home, Detroit at home, at Indiana um, versus Brooklyn Brooklyn at home and then Lakers at home. They need to go at least six, 700 in those games, I think. They, you know, they should beat um, – at Memphis, probably a loss. At Orlando, they should win either they're playing hard. At Charlotte, a definite loss. Orlando at home should be a win. Chicago at home, Detroit at home should be a win. That's five. Uh, you got at Indy could go either way. At Brooklyn at home, okay, either way. Lakers, so they should. They should if they go three and seven, three and eight in this, there's going to be trouble at the end of that. So I think a lot's going to be made of these next ten games. But I, I don't. I just don't think they'll do it before deadline unless something like they literally go. You know, they win twenty percent of their games over the next month, and there's going to be a change. If it's something where they're forced, for front office has to do it because they just suck. 
he's gone. But if they track where they currently are right now, they're around five or six. I don't think it'll happen before deadline. So I'll go. I'll go, I'll go fake news. It's not going to happen before deadline. I think Atlanta should win some of the, some, some of these games coming up. And uh, but I think he's gone in the off season um, as a bare minimum pro. Bogues, I think somewhere Zach Lowe or somebody said that that was much worse than what it was sort of leaked out to be. Now, again, I don't know what his intel's like, if it's good, bad, or indifferent. Um, but I could see that going bad. And I'm going to say fa- um, I'm gonna say he will not be part of the I- – I think they're going to get rid of him by then. And, look, I don't know what happened totally. You know, we talked about it last week. But, look, they're underachieving. You know how this stuff goes. Although Bogdanovich came back, I think he had like twenty eight today. If that is that accurate, I think he had a big game. Yeah, twenty eight and five. I think yeah, he played yeah. really well. He was, the, but he was the guy that fouled Demar right at the end. But yeah, they, he had a big game. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe maybe that helps them and, and turn this thing around. But I know they're underachieving. They're not going to blame the player. They'll blame the coach first. Um, and I think that this is not going to end well, unfortunately. And plus, with that problem that happened, and then maybe something else could flare up in the next six six weeks or so, I think they're going to get rid of him for sure. I, well, not for sure, but I, I think my opinion now is that they're going to get rid of him. Um, I think that, like, you know, again, if this thing – yeah, they're winnable games, but you don't know how bad the thing is internally. It, maybe it isn't. Maybe it's just all talk. But with this guy, they're, they're not going to trade Trey. You know, they're not going to trade Trey Young. And I, I think that they're going to. You know, if this thing, if they can't really capture this in the next four to six weeks, it's going to be a big problem. I say they're going to get rid of him. Um, you, know, you never really like to see that, but. I just think that like somebody's got to be the scapegoat. It's not going to be the player. It's not going to be the GM. You know, I, I think Nate's probably going to be the guy to go there. So that that that's my call. And then the last thing we talked about the Pelicans a lot. This podcast, uh, they will finish number one in the West come at the end of the regular season. Not in the finals, but they will become regular season number one in the West. Fact or fake news? Hmm. I have to check. I've got, I've got to try to cheat and check their, uh, their sure. strength of schedule. Please do. Um, but in touching on that, you know, if they finish first in the NBA Pro, they get a, there's another trophy. I forgot to mention this earlier, Pro. Do you know that? What do you got? Well, there's, you now get a trophy, Pro, in the NBA. If, if you have the best record in the regular season, there's a new trophy you get from the NBA. Oh, boy. So what is I it? think Adam Silver – you get a trophy for the best record in the NBA. It's just a, I, I can't remember what it was called, mm-hmm. what the trophy was called, but uh, yeah, you get you get a you get a brand new trophy. So um, huh. Adam Silver's got to have a deal with one of these trophy makers. It's not, <laughs> like something's going on. There's a tro- what, what is it? Eastern Conference champions, Western Conference. Cha- soon there's going to be oh, that's right, division champion. Yeah, but you get there's now a trophy for the best record in the NBA. I think. There's no need for a trophy, pro. If you got, <laughs> if you're the best record in the NBA, you um, you get home court advantage, right? So that's the that that's your trophy. You get to win a championship. All right, strength of schedule for the Pelicans, 18th. Ooh. So yeah, um, based on that, based on the analytics and all our gurus out there, their schedule has not been the toughest. So I'm going to go fake news. They're not going to finish first, pro. What do you got? Uh, I'll say number one. I'll, I'll say they will. I mean, look, like Golden State, you never know what's going to happen. They might, 
They might just cruise into whatever they're going to cruise into. Um, the Clippers. Me- Memphis. Memphis is the one. There's ah, in there. there you go. That's right. Memphis. But, you know, John Morant's been – he hasn't been Mr. Durability either, like throughout his NBA, you know, short NBA career. So, you know, you never know. I, I don't know. I, I sort of like what New Orleans is doing right now. You know, I don't jump on bandwagons too often, but, I mean, I'm not saying that – I don't think they're good enough to win an NBA championship this year, but – um, in the regular season, where you know some teams just sort of like put it on cruise control a little bit, get into the playoffs, get a, get get home court, try to get at least two, three, or four, you know, five at least, and then you know, at very at very you know worst, and then just sort of do what they got to do in the playoffs. I still think they could, but it is very close right now. But there's really not a clear cut team that I'm like, yeah, they're definitely going to be the best team in the league. No, nah, so you know? open. Yeah, and Golden State for his up and down of their playing, they're only four games out. Um, Clippers are three and a half with those two guys. You just never know with their health. You know, there's a bunch of teams that are sort of still in the thick of things. I would say the only teams that are really out are San Antonio and the Rockets right now. And I think everybody else sort of has a fighting chance to get, you know, to sort of get in the top five, top six, top eight sort of situation. Yeah, agree. It's wide, the West is wide open, and just just for context for people that are probably wondering, the strongest the, the teams that have had the toughest schedules thus far: Detroit Pistons at one, the Bulls at two, and the Mavs at three. So that's good news for them. They're thirteen and thirteen. They haven't played their best ball. Mm-hmm. They're not where they want to be on the standings, but they've had the toughest uh, schedule uh, in the West. Uh, Rockets four and Trailblazers five, and the easiest. This is alarm bells for a few teams. The Clippers have had the easiest schedule in the league Ouch. as of now. Nuggets, second easiest. They'll be okay, though. But the Timberwolves, third easiest. And they're, they're 13 and 13. So just some food for thought. I mean, these things aren't concrete. But, um, yeah, I think uh, I think your Orleans will fall down based on on Memphis, possibly jump in them. And I just, I just can't call it the West right now. So that's why I'm going to go against the grain. But I do love New Orleans. So that wraps up another week. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thanks, Pro. Uh, we will do one more episode next week, Pro, and then we'll – we will uh, let Pro have his Christmas dinner. I'll put a turkey in the oven. We're going to take Christmas <laughs> off. So we'll be, we'll, be, we'll be off for a week. So we'll come back towards the end of the new year for another episode. But one more episode next week, week off, and then we'll be back that following week. So thanks for joining us at Hoop Consultants for Pro, at Rogue Bogues on all your social media forums. Like, tell your friends about this. We need more. I uh, want to get greedy. We need more listeners to listen to our Hyper Bowl. And we'll see you all next week. All right. See you guys. Thanks. Let's get rogue.